This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 387, brought to you by Harbinger Wars number three from Valiant and iFanboy listeners just like you. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 387. My name is Paul Montgomery. Joining me, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And Josh Flanagan. Hi. You all right? <laughs> ah. <laughs> like you could get like struck by an arrow or something. I did as well. That was more like he stubbed his toe. Narm. At iFanboy.com, we like comics and we read comics. And every week we read a bunch of comics. And one of us picks the best book and writes about it on the website, and then we talk about it on this year's podcast, along with various other topics of interest. Before we get to the show, quick reminder, slash warning, this is a review show, and we will be talking about the things that happen in this week's books. Oh boy, shall we? <laughs> so if you are worried about spoilers, go now. This week, Connor had the pick, didn't you? Yes. Um, you know how we used to always talk about Daredevil? Like We yes. talked about it a lot when it started. 
And then we stopped talking about it because, you know, what can you say from month to month about it? It was good. It was one of the best books. It's when the, when the marvelous becomes mundane. Right. So this was the issue where Daredevil sort of rose up and slapped you in the face and said, you know what? I'm still one of the best books out there. Don't forget it. And it was leaps and bounds above everything else. This was the double-sized three-year anniversary issue, which I guess we're doing that again. They're level 26, which sort of brings together all the little strings that have been happening in the background of Daredevil since, since the beginning. You, the person who has been causing havoc in Daredevil's life is revealed. But the reveal isn't so much the big thing because it was somewhat predictable simply because Daredevil's only got one real main villain other than Kingpin. And it, so it wasn't like a big surprise who it was. But it was really the way it was handled. The structure, it was the, uh, the craft of the entire creative team from Mark Wade, uh, Chris Samney, uh, Javier Rodriguez on colors, and Joe Caramanga on the letters. Um, it was a tense issue. It was, like a, it was one of those things where it was an action thrill ride where you were heading inexorably towards an ending point. Even if you knew what that point was, it was the way that it got there in which Matt's paranoia gets the better of him and he, and he sees villains everywhere, but it turns out they are everywhere. And it was just one sort of breathless scene after another that built and built and built and built and built, and built uh, until the climax. And then even then there was a great cliffhanger. So it was, yeah. it was just a wonderfully put together thriller of an issue which reminded you that all the people working on this book are fantastic at making comics. And kind of an emotional roller coaster too, mm-hmm. um, including, you know, like the, the stuff with, you know, Foggy in, in bed with cancer and that scene where it's sort of, he's the one who figures out that it's Bullseye yeah. and he's drawing those concentric circles. Like when I saw the close up of him draw, like doing that and he's basically like, you know, radiating outward what, you know, villains have been involved in this particular caper uh mm. over over this this run really mm. which i thought was kind of interesting that like he's able to identify what parts are you know involved in this and it's all the stuff that mark wade's been doing <laughs> and like he didn't you know overlap with you know anyone else's arc so that was kind of interesting but anyways but when i saw him starting to draw the circles like oh that's such a cool idea and um to bring bullseye back really creepy he's sort of like in a like in a, a, it's an iron lung basically it's an iron lung, yeah, and it's like, but when you see it Not from behind... Not literally, but it's kind of like what it is. It's like an Iron Maiden yeah. iron lung. It's like this, it looks like a, you know, torture device or something, but he's inside and he can't move and he's like pissing all over himself and, you know, it's it's all about mental focus and he thinks that this is, this is better, this is an improvement, this is an evolution for him, that he doesn't have to worry about the physical aspect of himself. And back to the emotional stuff, I mean, uh, the second half too where it's a story about Foggy and from Foggy's point of view and he's in this cancer ward and these kids are drawing a comic for Iron Man who's coming to visit them and he starts off with saying that, you know, my life sucks. You know, I've got this cancer and it's awful and that beat at the end where, you know, he realizes that these kids need to latch on to a superhero and the idea that uh, it, the story's called like punching cancer. Mm-hmm. Is a very simple childlike idea that you you want to punch cancer in the face, and that you kind of need when you're a kid, you kind of need that spirit to get through it, get through all the procedures and stuff, and just the days in the hospital and foggy thinking in childlike drawing sort of rendering of Daredevil uh, punching his cancer, thinking of his friend, his personal hero. That kind of, I got kind of teary about that. Although that was a kind of an emotional gut punch. Yeah, no, this was. I mean, the the backup was wonderful, and I hope we get to return every once in a while to Foggy's struggle because he is as much as much of a hero as Matt is, if not more. Yeah, and it's it's just a really great showcase of friendship. And you, there's tons of friends in comics, but this is one that you, you really, and especially in Wade's run, and you know we saw that flashback to them in college, um, not in this year, but previously. Um, these guys feel like you know real adult you know, friends who care about each other yeah. and look up to each other. Also, also, I mean, Mark Wade's worked with a lot of great artists over the years. He's had a, you know, he's been doing this for a long time, but he really f- sort of found the perfect collaborator in Sammy. They, I think they both have a very similar aesthetic. You know, it's like it's, a, like a new and classic at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. They both ride that line really well. And all the things they do together are good. Yeah. So uh, Josh, did you not enjoy this issue? No, I did. I did. I just had nothing. Why? Why would you? Why? Why are you asking that? Because <laughs> you remained conspicuously silent during that. Discussion. That's because I was rambling. That's why you guys were talking. I had, I had nothing to add. Was, you got Paul crying over here. <laughs> uh, no, it was it was really good. It was sort of you know classic 
really really good uh i i like i I love these pages i love the way they look and uh i think it's pretty cool that you can go from what what it was in the beginning and it's it's obviously different somni is not paula rivera but you know it just it just continues to work and they've found a way to keep this book its own thing i just i it's one of those things like and and i don't ever like to get into the conversation although what the hell of this is what DC's doing wrong and this is what Marvel's doing right. But um, this book has its own voice and feel, uh, as do several other of the, of the books, which is a thing that, that doesn't seem to be happening so much over on the, on, at the other side. And like, there's no other book that feels like Daredevil yep. out at Marvel or anywhere else. And then the other books at Marvel don't feel like Daredevil. It's its, its own thing, and, it, and it's great. And actually, I mean, Daredevil has his fans, but this book is getting by on quality. Mm-hmm. Which is mm. you know so as is Hawkeye for example, which right. is which has been a rare thing, I think in, in comics. Well, it's, uh, it's the combination of a character that people like, but not enough to read through. Yeah, anything. He's not. He's not Batman. Right. Versus when it, when someone actually good comes in the book, then you add that to the character people like, and you've got something yeah. really special. I think one of the other important things to note is that even though Matt's life is sort of being torn down again it's done in a completely different kind of tone than what we yeah. used to in the past which is very oppressive and dark and depressing which, which which really did work a lot at the time but when they when it kept happening over and over and over for yeah. years and years and years it became tiring this is more of a thriller co- collapse of his life it's more of an exciting action adventure tone than than say uh you know when, when bendis and, and brubaker were doing it is it's it's one of those movies where you know, like uh, I don't. I has. I, this is the first thing that came to mind, but it has nothing to do with Daredevil. But like, if if you pictured Ben Affleck and all this shit's going wrong, gets him, he's walking through the hospital and he's got to steal the thing and he yeah. looks beat up and like that's kind of what it feels like, which isn't glum, which isn't no. it rained for eight years it's straight. Ar- yeah, uh, it's, it's Argo. It's, it's basically that yeah. kind of thing versus Requiem yes. for a Dream, which I said in the review. It's, it's yeah, and I, like I would depressing. say it's like it's. It's not noir, and it's no. but it's like it's a thriller, like you said. It's sort of like like Flight of the Condor, like that kind yes. of thing, and and um, that goes sort of towards the swashbuckling aspect, which was a word that was kind of maybe like overused uh, when this mm. first started. But it's but it, it's kind of true. I don't think overused because it perfectly describes what the tone was, which is I think they're still doing even in the midst of his life collapsing, which is good because yeah. you know the first sign of rain and dark and shadows, I would have been I would have bailed. Yeah, uh-huh. and I think I think you, you nailed it. It's not, it's not just that it's great writing, and it's not just that it's great art. It's these guys are like on a tandem bicycle together, <laughs> like everything fits perfectly. Yeah. It's like you can have a great artist and a great writer, and it doesn't there it doesn't feel right all of the time. Right. Um, it doesn't feel you know synchronized. And this you get totally the sense they like working together. Yeah, like and, yeah, they, um, they, they, in the middle of it, they went and did a second book. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. even though even though it, he's not Rivera or Marcos Martín, I I like that they still established a consistent visual language for this run with that pink wireframe thing, yes. and so you get to that scene where he's you know I love that sequence where he's afraid and and paranoid about um, this guy who's chasing him, haunting him really, and he's uh, uh, Akari or whatever his name is, um, and he's going through a crowd. And freaking out, and it's a wonderful sequence. You get to see the the wire mesh stuff, and or even the next page when he's in the tunnel and he's, he's shouting into it, and you sort of you could see the oh yeah, yeah. echo location sort of go down the tunnel in your head, even if it's just the one shot. You could you could see how it would look. And we know what all of that means, and he doesn't have to say you know my echo location, right. you know, like uh, he doesn't have to describe all that in narration. It's just that that all of that language is there, and we have access to that lexicon. We know that. Language. Do you remember when uh, when Somni did that issue of uh, I think it was Captain America and Bucky? Mm-hmm. Remember the train full of clowns? Mm, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I'm I, I'm looking at these street scenes, and if you look, like he's he's drawn all of the people. Yeah, like he's, he's drawn in everybody and everything. They all have a different look. They all have different faces. He's insane. Ah, it's great. <laughs> I mean, and he's a cartoonist, so yeah. it's not like he's doing you know like super rendered versions of all these people but there's a ton of people in there you know there are some people uh, i even know but besides that you know like <laughs> doesn't he know uh, we don't need backgrounds these days oh it's really and then if you look just on that one page the one before the the tunnel uh the one where he goes down to the subway station mm-hmm. and and like 
look at all the people standing around the the stairway. But which, by the way, that's New York City, right? I mean, I mean, I know like everybody's seen or whatever, but that feels like New York City right there. It's just a shitload of people. He ducks down into the tunnel. Then the next panel, he's got everybody crammed in that that corridor. Yep. And and Matt's like winding his. That's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's just a little tiny thing. Is that is that the doctor? Is that to, to his right? <laughs> Hmm. And uh, and then like and then you look on the next page and as he pulls away, you know there's, there's still all those crowds there. It's just all these little things that y- if you can get lost in these pages, it's wonderful Every, from top to bottom. It's wonderful. Yep. The colors are great. It's got a great color yeah. look to it that doesn't look like anything else. It just it, it is completely unique and wonderful book. And you need an issue like this to come along every once in a while to remind you that oh yeah this is this is one of the top three books. Well, we were we were head over heels for the last issue too. Right. The introduction even, of Kari and had this great cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was just impressed that I was so happy that the the backup was drawn by and written by the exact same people. I know. I like, oh, sweet! There's not enough. We'll do another. No offense backup. to alternate backup teams. Are we are we allowed to call them backups again now? By the way, is that what were I they called we before? They were um, second stories or something like that. Look at something stupid that no one wanted to say. Co features. Co features. <laughs> They did an extra eight pages this this month, which, uh, sure, like, why not? I'm not saying that. <laughs> Co-features with a hyphen. No. So Daredevil 26, if you haven't been reading this this run, you really need to be. If you dropped off, come back. It's it's wonderful. Yeah, really. you, if, if, you're not, if you're not enjoying this, you must be high. <laughs> I don't think I ever realized how phallic the bong is until <laughs> the bounce number one. The new book. Why is why is he why is he breathing into that pog tube? The Let's new go. issue image comic from Joe Casey, David Messina. I really enjoy sex. I didn't really enjoy the bounce. <laughs> I just I sex just, in general. No, the, it's very the, the series. The series. Yes. You're very chaste otherwise. Yeah, I don't, I don't enjoy it in, in real life. I think I, I just find it very interesting that these are the that this is the direction that that Joe Casey's going again, and it's one of those things like. I, I am, in general, very tired of explorations of the superhero genre at this point. I feel like I've read all of them. But for some reason, I feel like I want to give Joe Casey the license to do it. And if he does one that I don't love as much, I'm kind of cool with it. Because it's almost interesting to watch him. I look at him like an artist who just has this theme that he keeps going over and over again. See, I don't look at this one as an exploration so much. Sex is, because sex is basically sex, sex yeah. is no, and, Batman. This is more of him just doing an original superhero. Yeah, but one, I don't know what it is. One you could never do at Marvel DC. It's a, it's a stoner superhero. Yeah, yeah but I don't know what it is yet, and I want to know. Like, I feel like there's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be more than we have on this surface. But think, think about how different this is from Sex, yep. and how different Sex is from Butcher Baker, and that he's all working like yep. visually, sort of storytelling wise. You know how different those are from stuff he's done in the past, and, and like, he just he's gonna come at the superhero from every possible direction, until uh, f- forever is my guess. Mm-hmm. Which I, I find interesting. Well, to he watch. Also, if you read the back matter. Yeah. Oh no. I've, somebody I calls know. him out saying he hates superheroes, and he says, "No, I love them." No, he he loves superheroes. I'm sorry, There's that no... was the back matter in sex number one. I forget. Right. They were the both. Well, it, it, you're you're forgiven for that. Yeah. I just I don't know what to make of this. Yeah, I don't uh, know either. It's I mean, it's sort of like an issue of you know Spider Man or something, but Spider Man gets high. Like it's not like I. In I, that I mean, way, it's very realistic. Yeah, I mean, and <laughs> no, when is everybody every twenty six year old I've ever met. It's I, for me. I think I think the problem was I I, I don't like David Messina as much as I like uh, Peter Ko yeah. Kowalski. However, Kowalski, what's his last what name? What do I know David Messina from? I don't know, but I also there's a bunch of pages where the, the storytelling was all muddled. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who was talking in relation to who and what. Uh, He's baked, know. bro. Well, that could have been, but I didn't find it as compelling. Sex, I find it endlessly fascinating, and we're not talking about this issue for this week, but I really enjoyed it as well. But this, I felt less compelled to read the next issue. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like you know people talk about you know the, the the smaller page count in sex and it feeling like I need this to go further and stuff and I, I don't know what this is. I feel like there was a very clear mission statement as to what that was in the first issue. Mm-hmm. Where this, I don't know, and I'm interested in issue two, but I have less of an idea as to what this is and what he's trying to do. And maybe maybe that's overthinking it. Like maybe it doesn't have to be something like that with a huge mission statement. And for there to be like this crazy high concept, other than it's a superhero who gets high, I don't know. Within that is is what I've given it. He's not. There's no indication in prior work that that's going to be the case. Although maybe that's the case. I'm just. In, I'm intrigued, is what I'm saying. 
What's his uh, power? He bounces, bounces like a bouncy he's like, ball. He's like Tigger. He's a super ball. He's a super he ball. does like a vibe. He has like a vibration thing because like he does a thing <laughs> he where he seems, slaps. To, he seems to put himself in a fetal position and bounce like a bouncy ball. That's, but he did a thing where he slapped the guy's ears. Well, he just boxed it, his it, ears. Like that's just that's a real thing. He boxed somebody's ears. It really hurts. Okay. I haven't been to my fight club. You've in a never while. been in a fight in your whole life, right. have you? Also, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna on the on the economic front for two ninety nine. It's a nice looking book, real nice paper, yes, yes. whole thing. If that's the kind of thing that's important to you, I think you're you're getting your cash worth. What do you think and, about his like soul patch guard? <laughs> no, he's, he's got like chin you armor. Protect it. It's 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 a very interesting. I'm not I'm not I'm, I'm not chin is injured, how will he rest, where will he rest the bong? That's the bong thing. That's <laughs> the bong guard. I don't know this. I you know it was fine. I, I I'm impressed by that's the a of villain range. of a superhero story. Bongard. Bongard. I'm impressed with Casey's range, and I'm impressed that Image continues to put out a bunch of different variety of books. I didn't love this one as much as Sex, but I did. I, oh, I did oh it, very quick. I, I like the fog too. That's like the guy, like you. He's a guy who turns into smoke, and then you get high on him. <laughs> that was the. That's the same as the mist from the shade. Did he ever do that? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know. I think. It's been a- that's kind of a cool idea. That's interesting. I forgot about that. So, Paul, you jumped back into Green Lantern for the final Jeff Johns issue, did you? <laughs> yeah, I read the first issue of this and then this. That's it? I think so. You read number one of the I read relaunch? Number of the relaunch, yeah. And, I mean, and, and I've, and I've oh, read, you mean in this particular, yes, not the very first Jeff Johns issue. I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, I skipped like, everything. I skipped everything and just the bookends. And this is very much about bookends. Right. This, is a, this is really interesting. And I mean... Okay, it it gets a little bit Dragon Ball Z and very abstract because it's about just escalating powers and you got a white lantern and then you get the first lantern who has all of the emotional spectrum and then all of the other lantern cores show up and then Sinestro intentionally releases Parallax and then becomes the host of Parallax but because Sinestro is so badass, he's in control. So he's super Sinestro. And then Hal's dead. But then he's back and he, he brings on Necron and it's like it's big, it's like you can't keep track because it's this big magic fight, you know, and it's like it's like the, the wizard fight at the end of Sword in the Stone where it's like that they're, they're just constantly one upping each other. And it's not very organic in how the fight works. But what's OK, but what's actually interesting about this. So this is the Jeff John's last issue. It ends with about seven pages of thank yous and congratulations to Jeff John. And, and there's a bunch in the middle, too. Or is that what you mean? The ones that are in the middle? I read it digitally, so I don't know. Oh, okay. how it oh in, the, in the print it. book, they're all over it. It's like it's spaced oh, okay. throughout. They're spaced throughout. Okay, that, that's, <laughs> that's interesting. That's, but when, when you're reading it digitally, it's all this dump at the end where it's pages of Neil Gaiman congratulating Jeff Johns and yeah. uh, Peter Tomasi and his executive assistant and all these different people. people <laughs> they who work all on the like to keep their jobs. And it was, it was a weird and congratulatory, and I guess it wasn't his idea, but you know, but somebody's idea, and it, it was kind of weird Each to read Each one that. has a different color, it like, though. It felt like reading, like watching like a yearbook video, you know, that you watch at prom. Like it was that kind of thing. But well, then we I went to like, high school in the 90s. Uh, we didn't have, didn't have that. Things, no. <laughs> yearbooks were books. <laughs> yeah. We we ha- I got a yearbook book too. The uh, okay. The other thing about this, okay. So this isn't just Jeff Johns ending his run. This is Jeff Johns ending the entire Green Lantern story, pretty much. Good. How so? How so? He gives an end to every character. We see old Guy Gardner. Oh, he does like the, he does the Sex Feet Under ending. Yeah, he does. That's exactly what he does, and it's oh, Sinestro telling the story in a robe as the the bookkeeper. Okay, and then. He marries Hal and Carol, and they have a son named Martin Jordan. And Batman's like, "You kid!" And he like he he brings every thread to an end. Like it's everything that he worked on. And I guess he, I mean, doing what he did with Green Lantern, a character that nobody cared about before, and doing this over ten years, he kind of deserves to do that. Oh, but sure. he kind of kind of screwed over the next guys. Good luck, Robert Venditti. Yeah, I mean, because like. <laughs> This is exa- this is how the story ends, and there's there's a little pocket of where they still had adventures in between, but like, you know, John Stewart becomes like a senator. I thought he was going to die. They went completely the other way with that. <laughs> they went completely the other <laughs> all right, way. All right, all right, make right. a president. What do you want? <laughs> no, but it's it's amazing. They he really does the six feet under thing, and I was like, wow, like they could just end the book here, and that's kind of weird to see because we're used to superhero stories just being this never ending story. Well, of course, we're never going to get there, and we're never going to get there, but. 
we know this is, you know, it's it's not an out of continuity thing. This is in the main book. And so I think that was kind of an interesting ballsy kind of choice. I mean, like, I think we all know that, like, the Green Lantern books, I think, without Jeff Johns, are it's going to be relegated again Yeah. to, you know, third tier status. And I don't, you know, the way he talks about it sometimes, like, you know, there will always be a Justice Society. Remember when he left the Justice Society book? Yep. He, his last issue with that? He's like, there will always be a JSA in the DC. Wrong. In the DC universe. There will all be, always be a JSA book. You know, that's cool to think that he's passing the torch. But he, here, he's not even trying to pass the torch. He's dumping it in the cauldron, you know? Well, like, you, you look what happened when he passed the torch in JSA. You know, how much of a disaster was that when someone else wrote it? So it just really is... Only certain books can last with certain creators. When, when he leaves Aquaman, that book's going to go back into the toilet. Yeah, I just think it. Yeah, I just think it's fascinating that there's not even a suggestion like the story continues next month. It's just like this is this is it. It's like he's basically also, ad- admitting that this is like no one, nothing matters after this. This is also this is this is Seinfeld if it had gone on to fifteen seasons. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, to be to be, you know, that's what it feels like to me. Like if yeah, he'd and if he'd walked after, uh, you know, after a uh, like a year to clean up Blackest Night or yeah. just Blackest Night, then it'd be a whole other thing. But it just also the beginning of this issue, it's it's you find out later that it's Sinestro in a robe and he's really old, telling another Green Lantern the whole history of Hal Jordan, and you realize if you didn't already notice that this story is nuts. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's the most convoluted mess ever. And it's like Captain Planet and all that kind of stuff. And it, and to make it, to capsule, capsulize it, it feels even crazier because you're just distilling it down into the beats and the beats are ridiculous. <laughs> there's some, I there's just, some fun I moments just, in here. I just flipped over to the middle. I saw that big black lantern zombie thing. And I was like, Ugh. Necron, yeah. there's it just there's brought about, me right back. It's, it's all of the stuff. It's everything coming back. And, you know, Hal even encounters his young, his, his childhood self who's like at the chain link fence when he realizes his dad is dead. And they use that. The bad guy, the first Lantern is kind of interesting the way he's portrayed. He's very apathetic and he's very creepy. And so that's kind of successful. But it's just like you're just being inundated with all of this Lantern mythology. And it's just so much. Yeah, you know, if you're going to go out, go out with a bang, you know, and I, th- out, I think toss he does. it all in the pot and throw it together. And I think well. if if you've loved it from the word go, I think you'll find a lot to like in this. Um, for me, it was a bit a bit too much, but it, I think it's an ambitious thing to put a like a, just a stamp on it. Now, Josh, we haven't talked about the unwritten in forever. Yeah, I was gonna say it's because I missed it last month, but I caught well, it. I mean, it like forever, forever. We haven't talked about it in a long time. Yeah, yeah I, I was got, so well, surprised you, to see it. Here's the thing that happened with it: I never gave up on it, but at some point, I missed a month. And I bought it like later, and then I had a stack of like six of them that I just didn't read for like seven months. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then like Happens. one day I sort of plowed through all of them, and then last month I missed another one, so I had to get two and catch up. So now I'm caught up. I'm I'm good. I never gave up on this. I really like this. The last arc has been this sort of Orpheus sort of storyline, which sort of, uh, if you know your Vertigo, sort of uh, harkens back to the Sandman because they did the Orpheus story in there. Um, it's a mysterious pilot too. Yeah, I mean, it's in lots of things, but uh, specifically in sort of the Vertigo family of things. That's what it makes me think of. And this sort of, because they're in hell, so there's a whole demon thing and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I was going along with it. I was going, you know, I I really dig this. It's coming together. For a little while, I thought it was going to be wrapping up. And now sort of, we're we're kind of in the third act. Tommy knows what's going on. He's, he's, he's going to go after the big bad or good, or I don't know, it's hard to say what it is. And then the very... Lo- the very last page. Okay, here's your here's the spoiler. I just <sighs> so they're going up the stairs, and it's the Orpheus. The deal with the Orpheus story is that they can both leave hell, but if anybody turns to look back, it's mostly die. Orpheus looking. But if he looks back at his wife, he, his wife if he looks back to check that she's there, they're all going to get sucked down in hell. So uh, uh, Tommy makes a deal. They're all going to get out of hell, but the the idea is that. He wants them to look back at him at the end so he can get sucked down to the very bottom of things. So he can get to the bottom of he, – he makes the deal that he'll get sucked down to the, the very bottom most truth of whatever it is. And he's at the top and nobody wants to look at him because they all just want to get back home and then find somebody. Somebody come, turns around and looks at him and he gets sucked down. And then the last page, he's fucking standing there with the characters from Fables. Yeah, the Fables crossover is happening next week. Oh, yeah. It pays to know the news, Josh, to know what's coming. No, third. It, they're in hell. Like, you would, then you would, you'd be ready for it. You'd know it's coming. 
What I what just, fables characters? Is like all of them? <laughs> Geppetto, Frau Tottenkinder. Who's the blonde? I haven't read fables in a while, so I don't remember exactly. Uh, the little girl and then the badger. They're the bad guys. I oh, guess. okay. So not uh, like but, Bigby Wolf and. No, yeah, no. Okay. I just but let the story be. <laughs> what if that's his story though? What if he really wants to tell the story? I, I guess, but it's just like it's getting right to a, like he's headed to the conflict at the end, and this is either so either the either this is a huge diversion that's going to just stop us for a little before he gets to the end, or the end is that it has to do with fables, and I'm not happy with either of those things. Like I, I, see what I, you I mean. know, like I I know that there's a there's a cross there's crossovers that go on in comics, in, in and I I accept that as a fact of Avengers Town and JLAville, but that's not why I read Vertigo comics. And it's like, like you're the you're one reading last. That'd be yeah. like you're reading Preacher, and then you know it's the final, you know, showdown, and you know you've got uh, every, every, everybody in that town square, and then Phantom Stranger shows up. No, because that's completely different. One is Vertigo, one is DCU. Well, I, I know, but, but but I mean, what he's saying is like it's its own book. Let it be its own thing for its end game. Like Let if they want to do a thing. crossover, that's what do I, that. That's- it's not Vertigo. Typically, is not operated under the same rules. I mean, they can do it. There's no reason they can't. But I don't want that. That's not. That's not a normal. That's not what I come to expect from it. That's not. You know. And it, like those are the kind of rules that the regular comic book publishers follow. And there's a reason that I read these in opposition to that. Not opposition, but as an alternative to that. And and I get. I know exactly. It's, what it's a political it's the, statement. <laughs> no, it's the. It's just. It's the fucking DC creep coming in. Like it's it's like well let's try to make these books sell and she's like ah oh, just it you ruined your own universe and you and all but the last vestiges let me just finish this story before I forget about Vertigo forever. Okay, I uh, may be upset about the Hellblazer thing. <laughs> Journey into Mystery six fifty two. Did anybody pick this up? Just me. This is still a thing. Yeah, I, I actually really always wanted to go back and read these from the beginning, but it got daunting. It got to be too much. Well, this is just, I mean, this it's not the kid Loki stuff anymore. He's over in Young Avengers. This is about is Sif. Okay. This is Sif, and she Still kind of went Hiller? through. No, it's uh, Catherine Eminen, and the art is uh, Valerio Shidi, and it looks gorgeous. It's it's really good. And if uh, if you like, you know, what Palmiotti and Gray and Connor did on Power Girl, there's a bit of that here. It's kind of like if, if they did, like, I mean, I don't want to pigeonhole all of the DC female characters you know, but this is sort of like a, a Wonder Woman kind of like fish out of water kind of story. Like whenever she's being or, or Thor, you know, Thor himself, like whenever he's being so he doesn't get the joke. He's not in on the joke and, you know, thrust him into Oklahoma, which is kind of a cool idea. Um, <laughs> Thor doesn't have know about fried chicken and handbags. Mm. It can be funny. They can. I, I, I love agree. those stories. Those are great. It. But yeah. but the, but this is yeah. So this is. But this is all Sif, and there's there's no Thor. And then Sif has to go. Like Gaia is sick. The All Mother is sick, and she has to go because all of the doctors and and uh, and healers in Asgardia don't know what to make of this. So she goes to Oklahoma to to visit Jane Foster because she's a doctor. And so it's her in a, in a clinic, and just to see her in her warrior garb going into this like small town, you know, rural clinic is is, is kind of funny. Those are the and, great uh, great parts of those stories. Those are the best part of the Thor movie. That's what, I mean, we that's what our fish out of water stories are always funny. Yeah, it's, I don't it's, believe anyone's complaining about that. It's it's really fun. It's a it's a good looking book, and uh, Beta Ray Bill shows up at the end, and there might be some sexy times in the next issue. So she's into the horse face, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean that goes back to Simonson. Yeah, no, I, um, I mean, I always like—I really like that relationship. There's the hung like a horse adage. There is that. <laughs> look, at you, look at you getting blue. Let's talk this about our gonna... sponsor now. It's perfect time to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of my fanboys brought to you by Harbinger Wars from Valiant Comics. Features the re- debut of the all-new Hardcore by Joshua Dysart, Dwayne Susinski, and Clayton Henry. That's Harbinger Wars number three, which is out this month. So on June 5th, what happens in Vegas may just destroy the entire Valiant Universe in Harbinger Wars number three. And you can find out more about that at ValiantUniverse.com. Those Claytons are good. All the Claytons. They are good. They're really good. Nowhere Men number five. This book's insane. It's, it's very, it's, it would be, I think it would be a fool's. Good insane or bad? No, good, good insane. It would be a fool's errand to try and recap everything that's happened so far. There's like a gazillion characters and, you know, like scientists being dicks and stuff. What I really like about this book is they do that thing where they integrate these fake ads into the book. And, like, they're really well designed and they actually look like ads or they look like snippets from, like, Wired articles. 
like there's sort of like a tell-all kind of thing with two of the scientists and Watchmen. Yeah, it's like that, but uh, better because the design elements are better. Design elements of Watchmen are great for the time period. Yeah, well, I mean, this is well, I mean, but this is for 2013. Right. So I mean, it's it's that kind of thing. But um, I just wanted to share uh, some of these. If I ruled the world, shocking statements by science stars who should know better, and it's like this this magazine article or this online article where they did the 10 most heinous things that scientist Simon Grimshaw has said in various statements. And there's things like, number seven, I could cure all manner of diseases tomorrow, starting with cancer, but without a committed effort toward real and sustained population control, such a gesture would ultimately be meaningless. The human race, unregulated as it is now, is a burden on our planet, and if our population continues to grow at projected levels, threatens to destroy the world as we know it. And he talks about people shouldn't be like you. You can either clone yourself or have a kid. You can't do both because there's just too many people. That's reasonable, and I kind of agree with him because uh, people are awful. <laughs> this is fantastic. It's like if if you this if you. Is, this is where Paul reveals his true feelings about population, genetic engineering, and eugenics. Eugenics. He talks about let's eugenics just, let's just get too. Down to it. Eugenics. He, do, he actually does talk about eugenics. Um, but I will I will spare you that. I but, eugenics uh, boy. It's just really dark, dark um, science stuff, and I love the art. It's fantastic, and it's got, like, like Jordi Blair, like, uh, unleashed, like, bright red backgrounds. And it's, is this it's, a mini? Uh, it's um, an ongoing, I think. Oh, or this I'm, is the first part of an, this is the last part of an arc, I think. This I'm patiently waiting for this trade. I assume it will be along soon. Josh, it you, will be. No one's ever fallen asleep before this, they're in the middle of the show, but I'm saying you can if you want. I have yawned in the middle of shows before. It has nothing to do with my interest level. I'm just saying, you can if you need to put your head down, take a little nap. Go, for, go ahead. Listen, listen. <laughs> this is exactly what happened to the guys at World Core and Nowhere Men, and then things went really bad. Yeah. The Flash 20, uh, I really enjoyed a lot. This was the return of Manipal and art duties. Every once in a while, this series, you feel like they're starting to get a real good handle on the way to write a book, and I think this is probably the best written book they've done so far. And the last couple issues were good, too, so maybe they're starting to really hit their groove with the Flash. But this was sort of just a regular Flash story. There's a problem. The Speed Force has bled out. Earlier in the series, when people were trapped in the Speed Force, they came out with, with speed powers, and the Speed Force is causing problems, and Flash has to sort of run around and save the day. Meanwhile, the new reverse Flash is, is lurking in the background. I thought this was just a really well-done issue, well-constructed, great-looking book, just you know, sort of standard Flash adventures without being muddled with a bunch of other stuff going on. And the next issue, we get Kid Flash for the first time they haven't met yet. I enjoyed it. I thought this was a really, really strong issue. Lobster Johnson, Satan Smells a Rat. Josh, did you read this? I did, yeah. I Kevin have to. Nolan. I'm contractually obligated. Yeah, it and had it's a just, different... just a one-shot. There's no, there's no investment, you know? Yeah. You just read it, one book. It had a different out. kind of feel. It did. Uh, than a lot of... Than, well, I mean, Tanji Zonsik's been doing most of the last ones. It just yes. felt like a comic of, of, of a different time. I'm always... Nolan's great. I'm all, you know, Nolan's amazing. If you ever go to Nolan's blog and sort of just look at his sketches and stuff, dude's got um, amazing skills. Mm-hmm. And it almost, it almost like his, that stuff looks almost better than it does color. Like it's, it's, mm-hmm. it takes something away from it. But either way, I'm always, always uh, amazed that I'm, I'm surprised by the level of violence and harshness in a given Lobster Johnson story. Lobster Johnson. I don't Johnson. know if I'm just conditioned by Batman, but I'm like, oh, Oh, he's just going to kill all of these. He just shoots oh, yeah. them. Well, there's a bit of heart at the end. Yeah, you could a tiny sort of, bit. It, what, a tiny what, what time bit. period is this taking place in? It's the 20s. Uh, this is... Uh, well, it's, it's talking about the end of Prohibition. And it's yeah. interesting because you're I'm reading sorry, this 30s. book and so I didn't really... the 30s then? I got to go back to school. And a Prohibition is the, the beginning of the Depression. Yeah, middle of the so depression. it's the 30s. Which is what I was 33 was when it ended, so... There was a reference to a new president coming in. Was it Roosevelt coming in? Yes. He was yes. coming in the 30s. Anyways, there's an interesting thing that happened with this book where you're reading it, and I thought there was a cameo by Kevin Nolan's version of the goon, but then that character turned out to be, like, the main character. I was with you there on that. Because he's got I the same, like, too. cap... You can yep. see his eyes, though. But anyways, he, this Dark guy turns book. out to be like a hitman, and he's been hiding bodies in, in the sewers, and it's all part of this like sort of uh, real-life Frankenstein experiment thing, and he's getting rid of the, the leftovers. But then he goes back to his apartment with this, with this dame, and, she's, and when they open the door, there's a dead body in a chair, and presumably Lobster Johnson put that there just to scare the shit out of him. <laughs> um and put the put the fear of Johnson in him and uh, yeah and then he and <laughs> Johnson reference there you go Let's and keep he, this he, up. 
he takes it. He, t- you know, he, he, and there's a really creepy villain who's in a wheelchair and he has little miniatures. And like, I think a guy having a hobby with like miniatures is like creepier than doing, you know, eugenics experiments <laughs> on like, um, of course you don't think eugenics is creepy because you agree with it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it has merit. There's a wonderful page where two corpses in a in a uh, ragtop roadster try to run a man down, <laughs> and the bodies are just flopped over in the seats. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, and it's. Wonderful. And then you you find out that there's like a re- there's a receiver, like they turned it into a remote control car. Those guys are like lobsters' assistants, I guess. Yeah, and it's like they're basically like lobster is just like he's being a complete prick to like these guys, like he's just terrorizing him before he yeah. actually kills him. And he's put, doing like these weird, in, like super involved Home Alone pranks. Um, <laughs> I like that they don't. It's fascinating. They haven't given the idea of giving him a series. They just whenever they have an idea, they do it. You know, no, you could totally. You, it's the thing because Lobster Johnson. It's like you don't. It, it's like, I don't know. It's like the Punisher no. when the Punisher shows up. An ongoing story would be horrible. Yeah, I don't want to know anything else about Lobster Johnson. I don't want to explore I, his character. I don't want to. I'm actually conflicted even when he talks. Like, yeah. I kind of just want him to be lurking in the shadows, you know, but he does talk in this. But no, the art was great. It, and it does feel like a comic from another time. Like, yeah. I think I, like Mignola and Arcudi wrote to his st- to Nellan style. Yeah, and, uh, no, it definitely. And it's it a one shot. It's great. Pick it up. The activity number 13. I've, I've really enjoyed this book. There's, it's definitely, there's got a coldness to it. It's. I mean, this is this this is the best thing that Nathan Edmondson's done. It's called a professional. Yeah, it is, and it Would there you was say sort it's better of better than who is Jake Ellis. I like it more, yeah, but that's because I don't know. I I feel like it's more challenging. Who is Jake Ellis? He can kind of go out there and and sort of do whatever, but this he's got to. He's really trying to hew to a, a level of realism in sort of a military operational sense, and even if it isn't real, it's got to feel real. I just feel like there's more craft into what it about where uh, is jake ellis yeah definitely i think he's going to top it all where how is jake ellis which is about jake ellis has kind of like he thinks maybe he has the flu he doesn't know he's, but then the he's last in, one is why is and everybody's ellis. concerned he's just, why is jake? he's just him pondering his existence um but uh awesome. i want to write that there are basically two one of the fun one of the not fun it's not there was nothing fun one of the cool things in this issue is that there's sort of two storylines going on at the same time and it's a little bit muddled uh, what, what's happening i think intentionally and you know, one of the guys on the team's wife was given up state secrets and they made him watch her interrogation. And it just more had to do with she was angry about the fact that he took the job and he's just off the team now. And I, I always like that when they sort of unceremoniously chop somebody from a team in a book like this. Like, no, he's gone now. It, that, that to me feels, it feels realistic in sort of a military professional's sense. And I, I also just think that Mitch Garrett's sort of, I don't want to say came from out of nowhere, but he wasn't, you know, he was thought of as a colorist primarily before this book came out. He'd done a little bit of work here and there, but I think he's really good. I, I think it, I yes. mean, it's, and it's got, and it's gotten, I don't want to say it's gotten a lot better because it was really good for the beginning, but it's gotten even better from there. And I, I'm always just very impressed by that. Does it feel like it fills like that queen and country kind of void in that it's global politics no. kind of thing and it's like, okay. No. It, it more feels like like a History Channel sort of reenactment kind of vibe. I, the one the one fault of this book, which isn't so much a fault, but the thing that stops it from being that is that I still don't I don't have a personal connection with any of these characters. At least Queen of Country had a little roster at the beginning of each each issue. I think this has that in a sense. I mean, there's a bit where it describes them in, on each page. Goes through. Them. <clears> I just don't I just don't know who they are. Uh, which you know is, is somewhat on me. Well, they're secret agents. You shouldn't know who yeah. they are. They'll kill you. And that right. And that's fine. That's fine. What is Aquaman number 20? Aquaman number 20 was similar to Batman Inc. 11 this week in that the regular team needed a breather. And since DC has decided they'd rather put an issue out every month than wait, they put these issues out. This was a special issue written by John Ostrander. Oh, right. Okay. And drawn by Manuel Garcia. And so it was a little side tale of the others, the team that Aquaman's on when he's not on Justice League. And uh, I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. It was just a little side adventure on an, on an Indian reservation, Fort Apache reservation in Arizona. And uh, they had to go find a bad guy and defeat him. I liked it a lot. I, li- it was, I liked to visit these other characters. And if we're going to have a side adventure, which is what also happened in Batman Inc., then might as well just explore people who are already in the book we don't get to see normally. Was Aquaman in Arizona? No. Aquaman shows, oh, okay. up, in, like, basic, he shows up basically yeah. in one panel to say, hey, these are my friends. They're going to help you. And he leaves. 
I was like, that'd be a that'd be a bad vacation destination best. for. Yeah, it's not his best spot. He, he makes the up. intro and then he leaves. And like you'd have like the backpack with the you know the straw thing. No, no, no. Hi, yeah. It's a, a hydration pack. Yeah. Camelback is a brand name. I have an Osprey Raptor, which I tend to. Oh, Camelback is like Xerox at this point. Exactly. So there you go. So I really enjoyed it. It was a nice little side tale. John Astrender is one of those old school guys who knows how to write a one shot comic. Yeah. You know, you get an entire three act structure and, and a satisfying story in one issue, which a lot of guys can't do these days because they're right for the trade. And that's what we had to say about books. Apparently, we had a lot to say about them, but we like to uh, look at what the users have to do. And first, we're going to start with the top five picks of the week as chosen by you, the iFanboy community. And number five was Deadpool number 10, 1.3%. Oh, I can see how this is going to go. Uh, number four was Young Avengers number five at 2.2%. Number three, Occupy Comics number one at 5.5%. That was a Kickstarter I did read that. a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> a movement that started a really long time ago. <laughs> number two, Connor's pick of the week, Daredevil number 26 at 40.8%. Uh, but that's not a plurality. No, that would go to Green Lantern number 20 with 45.4%, and I'm guessing a lot of wistful nostalgia. Well, people like it. That's what I mean. Like it, it looked like it harkened back to the, when they were really excited about Green Lantern a long time ago. Nostalgia-ridden influenza blanket sets. You can make those decisions by going to ifanway.com slash comics and making your pull list and rating and reviewing your books and making your own pick of the week. And so every week <clears> you should make your pull list and vote and get, you know, make, make sure the proper books are chosen, like Daredevil 26. All right, so let's look at some of those user reviews. Triple neck set of Half Past Danger number I had to picture that for a minute. Half Past Danger number one, story four out of five. Art, four out of five. Pow percentage, nope. Why do I always get the ones with no pow percentage? Uh, Last this week is, is because it was a mistake in the script. Oh, well, that happened. But it was only like 1.2%, so it's not. This is good old World War II era pulp action featuring GIs, Nazis, dinosaurs, spies, and ninjas. So far, and it's only issue one. It's the setup issue, so it's kind of hard to judge the overall plotting, but the storytelling through the art is excellent. Stephen Mooney is the sole creator, and I'd say he's firmly in the tradition of Mark Schultz and Dave Stevens as writer-artists evoking bygone eras in comics for their style and atmosphere. Fans of Indiana Jones, Xenozoic Tales, and The Rocketeer will find plenty of slam-bang action on display. I think uh, Triple Neck nailed it there. Uh, Very much a Mark Schultz vibe. Yeah. I was thinking exactly that. I was like, I was going to talk about it. And then I was like, he said all of the things that needed to be said about Half Past Danger, number one. It is very much a setup. There's not a, like, it's not a lot to hang your hat on yet, uh, other than those very uh, obvious themes the Nazis, the dinosaurs, the, GIs, the, the Nazis, the dinosaurs, the spies. Yeah, eugenics. And ninjas. Eugenics. I, yeah. I was, dinosaur eugenics. <laughs> eugenics um, is understood with Nazis. Right. Yeah, there's like a there's the it totally does have a, it has an older vibe. I think Dave Stevens is actually a really good example too. Yeah, um, you know, not not quite as polished as that, but it's that it's that it's, it's what you wanted that last Indiana Jones movie to be, uh, mixed with a little bit of the very beginning of of the dudes on the island in um in the New Frontier, mm-hmm. uh, and a little bit of the Rocketeer dinosaur Nazi vibe. Yeah, he said it. I have nothing else to add. It's it's worth checking out if if you like that sort of pulpy stuff. Uh, Slam bang action. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This could be a uh, if you just threw uh, uh, Lobster Johnson in there. If you, you threw go. your Johnson in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm gonna read the next one just so you'll stop talking. <laughs> Ghostman reviewed Superman go twenty. And I think it's Ghostman. Ghostman reviewed Superman twenty. Gave the story a three out of five, and the art a five out of five, and the pick week percentage was zero. And Ghostman says, "I can't believe I'm about to write this, but this issue was pretty good." Sure, Lobdell <laughs> relies a little too much on humor, and everyone he writes loves to throw puns around. But for some reason, it worked this time out. I think it might have something to do with Aaron Cuter's art. It fit with Lobdell's style better than Rocafor's. Yeah, Cuter steals the show here and some pretty fantastic pages of the fight between Orion and Superman. The aircraft carrier page was glorious. I go on a lot about the writers in most of my reviews here, so it's nice to be reminded that an artist can really make or break a comic. And I think Aaron, Aaron Cooter is one of the more interesting up-and-coming artists that we've got right now. He's really, really, really good. Made, uh, made best covers this week. Slam-bang action in his own right. Clearly influenced by Quietly. I think yeah. he's really, really good. Not good enough to get me to read uh, Superman, though. No, God, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the book, not the character. Yeah, the, no, of course. We, right. we know what I'm talking about. I just don't I do. say it. I, like I don't know. I don't, We're I don't, running I don't. along. Quick, do the next ad read yeah. fast. Yeah, Amazon.com. 
Go to ifamba.com slash Amazon for the things that you need to buy at Amazon. We'll, get, we'll take a little taste of that. You guys know how it works. I'm here to remind you once more. Just just uh, if you go to ifamba.com slash Amazon and then bookmark that page as your Amazon page, then you're done. You're out. You're doing good for the people. And you don't even have to do anything. Buy an Osprey uh, Raptor. Yeah. Uh, make sure you get the 2013 model because it they've rerouted the hose uh, and it has a zip thing so you don't need to uh, – you don't need to route it through the, the little straps anymore. Well, I know. I, I had that problem all the time. I actually have the 2012 model, and it doesn't bother me, but I can definitely see. Also, the 2013 model has a roll-up tool sack that goes in the bottom of the pouch. It's really easy to get to. That's specifically sort of an all-mountain enduro-based uh, bike pack. Let's do um, some audience questions. <laughs> Jeff all- W., who's also <laughs> Randall4000, says, With the recent end of so many of our favorite ongoing comics, I think it's time to ask the age-old question, what is my favorite comic? In a world without Scalped, Hellblazer, and Northlanders, in the moment when the Bulum is off the once promising youthful rose of the New 52, at a time when Marvel now is the most exciting and innovative game in town despite the crushing limitations of continuity and the looming threat of internet-style fanboy backlash, will the summer crossover events derail our beloved Wolverine and the X-Men, all new X-Men, and Captain America while Deadpool continues to be awesome? The world is upside down, for God's sakes. Plus, who can tell if anything will ever happen in Invincible again? What is the one comic the iFanboys would read if they could only read one? Sorry, oh, Saga is off the table. Well, that helps. <laughs> so you can't pick Saga, you can pick one book. I think, that, I think that helps so I don't have to worry about Saga. I would say Thor, God of Thunder. That's a very good choice. It's, it scratches my various itches, and I feel it's very special. Um, and I don't know how long it's going to last. Josh, one book. I, I, I really your, I don't your, have... Your wife gives you a three ninety nine budget. She gives you that look and says, "You got to stay to that budget." What's you gonna? What are you gonna do? One I book. I don't. I don't have. I don't know if I have you an can't answer. Can't say right. Superman. No, I'm not. Like, I. I can't. I, there's nothing I'm in love with right now, which is my overall problem. Like, there's not a one book. There's thing. nothing. Hawkeye. No. Really? Like, I. I like it a lot, and there's, but it like. Is it the one book that can like? I don't have a. My favorite books are dead, so I, I haven't really replaced that. Like I look at look at it this way. Imagine I was in a long distance relationship, and now I'm dating around. You know, I've I've had some fun with everybody, but there's nothing. There's there's nothing that's. You're getting superhero tattoos. Let's can we not again? Because it got <laughs> ugly. So you so Josh is abstaining. He has no favorite comic. I mean, like, I, I, I almost want to jump on, on Paul's answer but I, because, it, like, it's real good, but it's also not... I'm really shocked you're not saying Hawkeye. It's not. No, it's not Hawkeye. That's really interesting. All right. All new adventures of the indecisive men. I say Batman. Next email. Shane from Texas. When did the Joker become omnipotent? I'm a big fan of Scott Snyder, Love American Vampire in the Court of Owls story and Batman, but I just did not care for Death of the Family, and it all had to do with the Joker. First of all, I do not like the whole Batman is my king angle and sn- that Snyder used. I do, on the other hand, buy into the Grant Morrison hyper-sane or ultra-sane take of the Joker, so I can deal with the Batman is my king Joker for one story. What I can't deal with is a Joker that can do whatever the story needs him to do. I need the Joker to break into the Gotham police station, which has got to be like a damn military special forces compound. I mean, come on. You think regular cops work in Gotham, turn out the lights, the Joker can see better in the dark than regular people now, and start snapping the necks of these Gotham cops like it ain't no thing? Sure, why not? Because the Joker is crazy and unpredictable in a fight, but he is not a super ninja. Everything the Joker pulled off in this story seemed like it was too much for me. The Joker is crazy, brilliant really crazy but he is just a man with limitations and I think that has been forgotten by some people just had to throw in my two cents the one part of the story I did love was Bruce's explanation for why he doesn't kill the Joker it was the first time that question had ever been answered to my satisfaction thanks for listening to my rant the answer is since almost always the Joker's almost always been up he's been shot he's been stabbed been drowned he's been blown up the Joker is a force of nature. He's always been shown as being able to do whatever he wants to whoever he wants and I've even seen him take on you know, superpowered beings and beat them because the Joker is the number one adversary to the number one most formidable person on earth. So the Joker has to be as formidable as he is. So therefore, he's he can do whatever he wants, and that's what they've always done with him, basically since the beginning. Pretty flexible with what the Joker is able to do, able to survive. You know, always lands on his feet, that yeah, kind of thing. He's always been that way. So he's an urban legend. He's a mystery, just the same way Batman is. Yeah, and by always, I mean since the you know modern age. I'm not talking about Silver Age Joker running around with Lex Luthor as a sidekick, but 
you know, obviously, since and since the modern age, he's been able to do whatever he wants because that's otherwise he wouldn't be scary with Batman. Batman would just beat him. He he follows no rules. Right. There's no. There's nothing. There's, he's, he's also in the same way like any any villain in any story. You watch a a movie with a serial killer in it, and they can they can kill anyone at any time with any you know and get away with it, and that's not realistic either. But otherwise, he wouldn't be scary if he if he didn't think he could take everybody out, then he wouldn't be worried about him when he showed up. He eats a lot of carrots, and that's why he can see in the dark so well. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm circling back around. Okay. This is sort of a short-term thing, but this month, in the last couple, I would be going with Uncanny Avengers. I'm not saying I want to get married right now, but right now, in terms of the sort of ongoing... You want to cohabitate? That's the one that I would would call first if I I had free time. You're willing to not see other people? No, I'm not. I'm I'm not. No, I'm definitely not willing to make that commitment. She's not getting a ring of any kind. I'm not not saying you're getting a ring, but you're willing to not date around. I'm saying if, but I will tell you if Saga Will you stop been, sleeping with other people just for once and just just one person at a time? Johnson, I wish. <laughs> Let me have my freedom. Uh, if it could have been Saga. I would have gone with Saga. That's that's the correct answer. But if you'd like this to happen to one of your questions, send it along to contact <laughs> at fanboy.com or one eight eight eight. One eight 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 fanboys. That's three two six two six nine seven. Sorry, dial it exactly like you just said it. One eight eight eight. One one eight eight. So my mom dials a phone. One eight. Is it? I, I feel like again. you have a rotary phone in your house. I feel like Paul has one of those with the big buttons. We got to go up on the roof and you know climb up on the telephone pole. And, do you, you have know. to? Do you pick up the phone and have to tell the operator what number you want? Some Dixie cups and strings. He literally jacks in. Operator like Klondike L five four seven. If you say Klondike, you don't have to say L. Right. I think. We do other podcasts. <laughs> like J in parentheses make comics. <laughs> you got any make comics coming out, Josh? Uh, What's happening? Yeah, there's one. It's, it's, a, it's a little delayed. Uh, there's some planning that needs to happen. About a thing. Okay. All right. So we also do special edition shows. This has been a big month for special edition shows because there's lots of fun movies out. So we did a Superman Unbound show. We did an Iron Man 3 show. Just last week, we did a Star Trek Into Darkness show, which Josh did not make. Josh, quickly, your one-line review of Star Trek Into Darkness. What Paul said. All right. So though you can listen to any of those special edition shows uh, right. on our feed or on fanboy.com. You can get them streaming. But we're talking about all the movies. The next one coming up will be Man of Steel in just a few weeks. Team Johnson. Uh, you can also check out a <laughs> Are you Team Johnson? With, uh, you, can, you can hear my conversation with Glenn Weldon, who is the author of Superman, the unauthorized biography. And um, if you dig on the Superman, I think you'll have a lot of fun with that. And it ends with a clip from the Superman Broadway musical, which is amazing. So there's that. And then we'll probably be doing a book explode soon. Coming up on Man of Steel, we'll be talking about Superman birthright. I was really surprised in that discussion with Glenn Weldon that you really went into who should be allowed to breed and who should not be allowed to breed. <laughs> I mean, I was into the Superman discussion, and all of a sudden, it took a left turn about. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. just saying, Lex, Lex Luthor has some interesting ideas. I think that the size requirements for offspring was really where it threw me. If by six months you do not reach so and so inches, right. then then you literally. Talk, I, I didn't want to talk about it. I mean, the Ubermensch aspect of it made sense within the Superman context, but yeah. I was just surprised you went that way, and then didn't didn't edit it. And then cited cited examples from your life. Right. I'm saying we put QR codes on everything else. <laughs> you know? Go to ifanboy.com. You can read my Pick of the Week review, and you can find all of the in-depth discussion about comics world, the news, and all the things that are going on, including <laughs> um, movie, rev- movie reviews. <laughs> and can, I, can I tell you? I was looking forward to doing this show. It's gone by far too fast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just, movie reviews and all the stuff that's happening. You can, see, you can read Paul's uh, thoughts on Star Trek Into Darkness that Josh agrees with. Incidentally, also my thoughts as well. All that stuff happening at ifanboy.com, including our social network links at ifanboy.com slash about. And follow all the action at twitter.com slash ifanboy and facebook.com slash ifanboy. You can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at 1-888-FANBOYS. That's 326-2697 with any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, etc. If you'd like to join my mailing list. <laughs> if, you, if you like Paul's pamphlet, which if you get on the list, you'll get on a watch list. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a very hefty screening process, though. Um, <laughs> of course there is. You have to be this tall. If you like I, if you like I fanboy for reasons other than eugenics. <laughs> I can't even.
If you like iFanboy and you want to leave a review for this show or any of the other kinds of shows that we do, you can do that on iTunes. You can do that all over the internet. You can uh, re- recommend stuff and links to people you think would dig it. Or you can uh, you can complain about us and not tag us on Twitter. And we'll still know and it'll hurt our feelings. But we're not going to get into it. We're not going to get into it. So, Paul, what are you doing this weekend? Are you uh, conducting any experiments? Or is it more like a manifesto thing? I'm having an open house. Oh, no. And people can stop on by. Well, then, if you live in the Philadelphia area, stay indoors this weekend. Everyone have a good, safe holiday weekend. I hope you had fun. And uh, until next week, I'm Connor. I am the high evolutionary. <laughs> and I don't have that beat. I wonder about the tears and children's eyes and that dies I wonder will this hatred ever end I wonder and worry my friend I wonder I wonder wonder don't you 